0: How many don't regret that you came to the house of God today? Oh, my, my, my. Maybe I need to ask that question one more time. How many have no regrets that you came to the house of God on today? As I stated earlier in our time of prayer, governor has issued the executive order, no gatherings of more than 100 people in a confined space or place. So many people began to wonder, would we have service on today? Would there be church? And on last evening, we received a video from our district superintendent, Dr. Ross, With regard to us exercising wisdom, that is so key. But more than that, we are going to honor the law of the land. For the Bible exhorts us through Paul's writings, praise God, to obey the laws of the land. Now many folks might say, well, we have our own system of government as the church. And we're going to operate accordingly, but the Bible says, "Obey them that have rule and authority over you, but especially those in the Lord." Amen. So, as the pastor of this great church, I want to inform us that we will do everything in our human power to obey the laws of the land, for it is God who sets the authorities and who appoints kings and kingdoms somebody say praise the Lord so please be on standby it is my clear understanding that Vice President Pence will meet with all the governors of the great states of this country on tomorrow morning let us be much in prayer prior to that meeting that God would give them direction that they would exercise wisdom and in turn pass that down to us. As far as we now know, we will have services, but only God knows what time itself will hold. In the meantime, let me encourage us to pray, not for this country, but for the world. Let us pray for the thousands of others scattered around the globe who have been infected with the coronavirus. Let us pray that God would direct the hands, the minds of skilled professionals to know that healing only comes through him. Help me, saints of God. Somebody said, I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't be in church. I love that Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst thereof. So I, I, I want to tell you that you don't have to be in a sizable crowd to have church. Help me now. You don't have to be in a hundred plus people to enjoy the presence of God. For Jesus has made this clear. It is absolutely obvious that if two or three are gathered in his name, he will be there. Amen. Now somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. He will be there. I have a rather lengthy text today. Don't know that in my earthly ministry I've ever read an entire chapter. And taken it as a text. But I feel prompted in the Spirit of God to read to us today in the Lord's presence. 2 Peter chapter number 3. If we would stand and reverence the Word of God together. Now before you leave this place and say I don't know what's going on. Wednesday night there will be Bible study pending a higher order. Amen. Amen. I also know that given an opportunity to stay home, people will. Not bashing anybody but just being real. Just being real. We pray that martial law is not implemented and that the military will be employed to enforce that. That should be our prayer. We should pray that God enables us to gather in assemblies like this and to worship the Lord. But I want to tell you that if we can't come, I'm going to worship Him anyway. I want to tell you that if they shut everything down, I'm going to still have a direct hotline to heaven. And I'm going to still talk to God. I'm going to still worship Jesus. Amen. And it's my prayer that you will do likewise. Are you there? 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Somebody say, God's a planner. Hallelujah. For this they will willfully willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, And the earth standing out of water and in water. By which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word. Are reserved for fire. Until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved do not forget this one thing. Hallelujah. That with the Lord one day. Is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with the great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot, and blameless. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some are things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever amen I want to use a thought today after the rain after the rain finding my rainbow holy God of heaven We sense your overwhelming presence moving in the midst of us even now. Thank you for your inerrant word that is forever settled in heaven. The word in which our Lord himself promised that heaven and earth would pass away but my word will remain forever. Now, O Lord God, go into the deep crevices of our hearts. Embed your word there, Lord, that we may gain a deeper understanding of those things in which you have declared. Now, God, let the power of the Holy Ghost minister into our persons today as we have gathered in this place of worship. Bless all over the world today by your power and by your presence. Lord, as that centurion servant declared, I know that you can say one word and things will change. Right now in the authority of Jesus' name, Lord, would you speak to this pandemic right now Extract it from the face of this planet as though it never existed. God, as I know that only you have the power to do. For it now we give you praise in advance. We know that you're going to do it according to your word. And according to your love for us. Therefore, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, his church said amen. Amen. You might be seated, if you can, in the Lord's presence on today. After the rain, finding my rainbow. Historians tell us that somewhere around 57 AD, 67 AD, in that time frame, that quite possibly from Rome, that Peter is writing to us, knowing that his time on earth is coming to an end. He realizes his time on earth is limited. And he writes to believers everywhere. He writes to the church of the living God as a whole to warn Christians about false teachers and to encourage or extort believers to grow in faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now if you're taking notes, there's a few words I'm going to use today that my research has produced, and it would, it would be a blessing if we could jot those down just for the sake of memory. One of those words is antediluvian. Antediluvian. That word simply means before the flood. Before the flood. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Methuselah, in the Scriptures are known as antediluvian patriarchs or fathers of the known human race. That period in time was based solely upon the genealogies of the righteous. Amen. Didn't have anything to do with the ungodly, but based solely upon the genealogies of the righteous. How many know that during that time, people lived a long time? We find it difficult to process this in its reality but the Bible tells us that Adam lived to be 930 years old. 930. The scripture goes on to tell us that Seth lived to be 912 years old and that Methuselah According to Genesis 5:27, Methuselah was the oldest human that ever lived. 969 years of age. But bucking the course or the shift of humanity which in that particular time frame was in a spiritual decline. Genesis 4:26 tells me something real important. You there? Genesis four twenty six tells me, As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and his name was Enosh. But I want us to get the last part of this verse. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. We said that, that, that they were in a spiritual decline. But then men began to call on the name of the Lord. You say, Pastor, what happened? Well, something notable took place. What was it? Change. I mentioned this yesterday in Brother Graham's homegoing service. Change means to alter or to take on another form or another shape. So, even though there was spiritual decline in the world, certain righteous men began to call on the name of the Lord. And Jesus himself. He mentioned this period when he forecasted signs of his second coming that are recorded in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and 39. Let's take a peek there and see what the Lord has said. Matthew 24, verses 37 and 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. I think it merits further investigation. Amen. There's only two ways I know how to preach. And that is that God gives me a passage of Scripture and I expound upon it. Amen. Or God gives me a thought and I support it with Scripture. That, 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 that's the only way that I know how to preach. So as the Spirit of God began to drop this into my spirit. I, I, I thought about what actually took place from the very beginning of created time. And the first point I want to make is that of escaping the first reset. How many know that God's got a reset button? You got them on your computers. You got them on other electronic devices. Amen. Everybody knows what a reset button is. I should have brought me a ground fault receptacle. Most commonly, those are in bathrooms. Why are they there? Because uh, those circuits can be interrupted by water. So they got a T and an R button on it. And the T button is for test, but the R is for what? Reset how many know when you overload a circuit, it's going to trip? Isn't that what it's designed to do, Brother Blue? I'm up your alley now, aren't I? Amen. So when that circuit's overloaded, it's going to trip. And the purpose of it tripping is for safety. All right? So God looked down on the created order of things, and he saw some stuff that just didn't agree with him. He saw some things that just didn't sit too well with him. So thank God that he is not a responder to those things, but he's a planner. And long before Apple or anybody else, amen, installed a reset button, God himself had a reset button. Escaping the first reset. The word escape means to break free. Reset means to set again. It means to start all over and to make adjustments. Now, the Scripture tells us that when God, amen, appears to Noah, he's at least 500 years old when he is first mentioned in the Scriptures as having children. He's 600 years old when he enters the ark. Now, scholars differ in how long it took Noah to build that ark. Some say that it possibly took 100. Others say up to 120 years for Noah to build the ark. But he's about the most unsuccessful unsuccessful minister, amen, that ever lived. Why? Because he preached and nobody received God. He preached and not one conversion took place. But Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2 and 5, amen, that he was a preacher of righteousness. Righteousness. So that lets me know, Brother Joey, that while he was constructing that ark, under God's instruction, that he wasn't just working, he was preaching. Anybody with me? Well, what was Noah preaching since the Scripture doesn't give us any clear indication? I believe that Noah was preaching, amen, to the inhabitants of the earth. Something is coming. I believe Noah was saying something like you've never seen is about to sweep over this planet. You need to make preparation to meet God. That's what preachers are preaching today. Amen. They're exhausting themselves to tell men and women to flee from the wrath of God which is to come. But just like in the day of Noah, who is listening? Who is listening? Well, we understand that in Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 6. Let's read there together. Genesis chapter 6. Verses 5 and 6, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Did you get that? And the Lord was very sorry. One translation said that he repented that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Amen. Because the translators had no greater word, amen, uh, to define what uh, God was saying through his word. Uh, They picked it up and said that God was sorry that he made man. He was sorry. Oh, my somebody. The ungodly behavior of of mankind had caused God to be sorry that he'd ever made man. The sorrow that God experienced over the sins of humanity, they mirror that of you and I as parents who grieve over rebellious sons and daughters. You follow me? That's the reason the Bible declares that we, we have not one who hasn't been touched by the feelings of our infirmities. God knows how we feel. He created us in His image and in His likeness. And when a rebellious son or daughter causes our heart much grief, that is the same, amen, emotion that God went through when he looked at the extreme wickedness of humanity. Right, right. That's right. It grieved God that he had made man. But in Luke 17:26, 27, Jesus points us to a startling reality. This is Jesus. As in it was in the days of Noah, so will it also, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. For they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. What happened? The people of Noah's day were so morally corrupt. They were so wicked. Are you listening? They were so engrossed in that behavior that they didn't pay, amen, their attitude any attention at all. The Bible said they did evil how often? Continually. Brother Delton said all the time. So there was no good thing in them. They didn't even preoccupy themselves, Brother Jerry, with even knowing to do good because their heart and their thoughts were bent on doing evil. But how many know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? How many know that of the inhabitants of all the earth, only only that man and his wife and his sons and their wives were the only, glory to God, ones in that particular time uh, that were saved from the devastation of the flood. Only eight souls were saved. Noah preached on constructing that ark. But all of the inhabitants of the earth were content in their sins and also in their wickedness. Oh, my somebody. Now, people ask me this all the time. People say, Preacher, if it had never rained on the earth, where'd the rain come from? (laughs) Oh, glory to God. Let's look at Genesis. I want to support what I'm saying by the word of God. Let's look at Genesis chapter number two, verses five and six. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, there was no man to till the ground. But a mist (laughs) went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. You say, how, how did plant vegetation, how did, Foliage, how did trees, how did these things that God created, how did they survive? The Bible said a mist went up from the earth and watered the ground. Are you with me, saints of God? Now listen, the word firmament is used in the Bible. And some scholars support the idea that a canopy or a covering of water surrounded the entire earth. Stick with me now. We're going somewhere. Much like the rings around Saturn. Everybody on the same page. Some scholars support this idea. And why is that? Because the word firmament is taken from the Hebrew word raqia, And it simply means an expansion. It means or denotes that it's a place or an expanse that existed immediately above us. Now hear me. If that theory is correct no wonder there was a flood. If there was a firmament of of water or a canopy of water that hovered immediately above the earth and God unleashed them, certainly there would be enough water to cover the entire earth. Right? So this could in fact be a reality. But we do know That according to the Bible, I don't have time to go all the way into this, but we do know that according to the Bible, that when it rained, glory to God, it covered the entire earth. Even the highest mountains were 15 cubits underwater. Now that would measure at least 20 feet, Brother Khan, underwater. Even Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain in the world. So it lets us know this was not a territorial flood, but this was a global flood. It took place on the whole earth. Well, what happened, preacher? Well, the Bible says in Genesis 7 and 4 that it rained 40 days and 40 nights upon the earth. And Noah and his family were the only survivors. Scripture goes on to tell us that everything that had life in it died. Now, we're not talking about fish because fish can survive in water. But we're talking about birds, cattle, beasts, and every creeping thing in whose nostrils is the breath of life. So everything that breathes above water died in the flood. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm going somewhere with this. Everything that had life died, God hit the reset button. Because the wickedness of man grew exceeding in the presence of God. God said, I got to do something about this. Got to do something about it. Not responding to their wickedness, but already in heaven had originated a plan to repopulate the earth by eight souls lord have mercy what a god hallelujah you can't make this up folks i'm here to tell the most brilliant mind in the world can't make this up this can only be god preach on preacher well, then the Bible tells us that after that happened, somebody said, well, well, how long, how long did, did, did Noah and those folks stay on that ark? Well, if a lunar calendar would be to the sum of about 360 to 65 days, some scholars have traced uh, from the time that it began to rain Noah uh, entered that ark. Some scholars have, 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 have deciphered the time that, that he stayed on that ark to the tune of about over a year. Over a year. Now you now, now you got to imagine, Brother John Boy, if it rained till the water was at least twenty feet above the highest mountain, it definitely took uh, some time for the waters to recede. It took time. My ditch at the house had almost dried up from the recent rains we've had. Those eighty degree days it almost dried up, but it rained last night. And I looked out this morning and there was water in the ditch. And I said to my wife, the water table is so high right now, amen, that unless we get a succession of of, of days that are up in the temperatures, that water is going to stand for quite some time. But let me tell us something today, friend. God's not a responder. God's a planner. And thank God he gave to Noah the promise of the rainbow. Yeah, somebody say, what? A promise, what's a promise? A promise is a declaration or an assurance given by God that if he said something, he's going to honor it. Are you with me? We all know the story. God commanded Moses to put those clean animals on that ark. Amen, they put them on there two by two. Ask a guy on my job, I said, how many animals did Moses put on that ark? He said, two of every kind. I said, Moses ain't put no animals on no ark. That was Noah. He said, you got me. You got me. I said, I just want to see if you're paying attention. But we know that God told them to put seven of all the clean animals. Help me. And then in the process of time, the waters receded off the face of the earth. And they came off that ark. But before they did, God gave a sign. God gave a promise. Yeah, he gave a declaration. He gave an assurance unto Noah. Now, now, now listen, we all marvel when we see rainbows, don't we? We'll tell somebody, hey, look at that rainbow. Look at that rainbow. But science says one thing and God says another. You know, man's going to try to come up with a scientific explanation of everything. But when he don't know how to define it, he just call it a miracle. How about that? When lame legs receive strength and begin to walk, they can't call that anything but a miracle. When blinded eyes can suddenly see, they can't call that anything but a miracle. When your sick family member who is on deathbed get up and walk out of a hospital, they can't say anything but it's a miracle. It pains them near death to say that it was the hand of God that performed it. Y'all ain't want to hear this. (laughs) Glory to God. Well, what does science say about a rainbow? Scientists say that rainbows are caused by reflection and dispersion of light from water droplets. I know y'all got all that. They also say that when you see a rainbow, it's going to always be in the opposite position of the sun. That's what they say. But let's look at Genesis 9. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. In verse 12, God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. For how long? For perpetual generations. How long is that, folk? Forever. I set whose rainbow? I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Who's saying this? God is. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. Hallelujah to God. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Who said this? He said the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Amen. Verse 17. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I got news for science. It's not just a reflection and a dispersion of light caused by water droplets. A rainbow is a sign of God's covenant with all humanity and every living creature that's on the earth. Why did God do that? Well, because of the account of Scripture that we're afforded, every time we hear it thunder and we'd see a rainbow, we'd get terrified. Y'all don't want to help me now. Amen. I'm giving you a place, glory to God, to jump right in. God said, I'm going to establish this covenant of promise between you and me. And all living creatures that are upon the earth. Now, I'll tell you something. These boys that are hunters in here, they'll tell you that instinctively, It's built in. Animals know when the water starts rising how to seek for higher ground. Y'all don't want to help me now. Glory to God, not only humanity, but all the animals of the earth. If God had not put this covenant into place, every time that a cloud would form and the rain would start to beat down on the earth, there would be a panic among all creation. But how many of you know that because God made this promise that we don't have to be afraid, that we're going to be destroyed by water anymore? My parents used to say, boy, it's lightning and thundering and God's doing his work. Get somewhere and sit down. That's what they used to say. God said, "No, I want this to be a sign between us and all living things upon the earth. When they see the rainbow in the cloud, they will know that never again will I destroy the earth by way of flood." Somebody give God praise. Finding my rainbow glory to God. Here's what God said, I will never, ever again destroy the inhabitants of the earth by water. How many know when God makes a promise? He keeps a promise. I want to tell you that either the wickedness or the righteousness of man will never alter this unconditional covenant from God. It will never change it. Why will it never change it? Because of God's faithfulness. How many know he's a faithful God? And he promised it. And if he promised it, he will never go back. Sister Bonnie, he will never renege on a promise that he's made. He's God. It would violate his character. Oh, my, you hang on to your horses here now. I'm going somewhere. Because in the process of time, other people have tried to reduce the beauty of what God has made. Other people. Some states have rainbows incorporated in their flags. This is good. This is It's promoting good things. But a little research that I did produced this bit of information. That in 1978, a man by the name of Gilbert Baker. Gilbert Baker was an artist and a gay rights activist, and he designed the rainbow flag. Are y'all following me? This was 1978 in San Francisco, California. What did it represent? It represented the LGBT community. Now, for some of you who don't know what that means, I'm going to break it down. L stands for lesbian. G stands for gay. B for bisexual. T for transgender. But we're in the 21st century now. They've added an I onto the N. And the LGBTI community. The I stands for intersex. What does that mean? It means I can be male, female, or neither one. That's what it means. I might as well preach while I'm here now. We're not going to sit the same house on this one. But I might as well preach this while I'm here. Because God has never made any individual with an unnatural affection for his own kind. Oh, glory to God, saints. Amen. That you won't show it to me in signs. There's no body of evidence that will support that idea or prove to me, amen, that God erred in his created order of things. Preach, preacher. You might as well fix it. You tore it up. You might as well fix it while you're here. I want to tell us something. The rainbow is God's creation. Amen. The rainbow is God's creation. Glory to God. It, it originated with Mr. Baker, and that flag had eight different colors that represented different things. But I came to tell you, Brother Randy, that that flag, amen, don't mean nothing, though, glory to God. Amen. In the kingdom work of God, what is relevant is, is that God created the rainbow. It's his creation, and what it means is I will never again destroy the earth by water, glory to God. I will never cause a flood, to destroy mankind ever again. After the rain, hallelujah, I don't know about you, but I'm excited beyond my uh, opportunity to tell you that I'm so glad that God loved all of humanity enough that he promised, he declared, I'll never again send water to cover the face of the earth. I'll never again destroy mankind by way of water. I don't know about you, but drowning is not fun. And I'm one person that can save me, but don't you be drowning. I'm not going to kill both of us. And I'll tell you this, you don't put your hands on me in a body of water. You just don't. I told Brother Carl, Sister Lisa's brother, he's a mammoth of a man. He's a big fella. I told him, Brother Arbus, I said, I'll never fight you, brother. I'll just kill you and get it over with. I wouldn't fight you. But don't touch me in a body of water. I had a brother who drowned. That's no laughing matter. It's no laughing matter. You can drown in a cup of water. You follow me? But if I'm in a body of water, you don't horseplay with me. I choke the life out of you. I'm just going to tell you. If I can get my hands on you, you toying with me in a body of water, you're in trouble. Amen. Because I value my life. And I don't want it taken from me. I know what you're saying. Well, if you're in the Lord now, you ain't ain't got nothing to fear. Yeah, I ain't jumping out no perfectly good airplane either. Okay. God said, I want this to be a sign. I want this to be a covenant promise. No one, not just between you and me, but I even want it. I even want the animals to know. Oh, thank God. I even want the animals to know that when they see a cloud form, And the rain began to fall on the earth. that I'll never again destroy the earth by way of flood. What a promise from God. Don't you take comfort in that today? I take comfort in that today. You ever heard the old phrase, it's raining cats and dogs? You ever heard that? You ever heard it's raining buckets? Listen, we've experienced floods in every proportion right here in Robertson County in the last four or five years. Waters have risen to heights that we've never seen. People said, oh, they got that high in Hazel. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. A lot of folk want you to believe that, but half of them that told you that weren't even here. So the truth of the matter is, you ask somebody older, and they'll tell you. They never saw water that high in this county before. Oh, what a frightening thing it must have been for all the animals of the earth. And for all of humanity, I can only process in my little finite way of thought what it must have been like when God put Noah on that ark and the people began to beat on the door. I can only remotely process how difficult that must have been. But Let me tell you something. Noah couldn't open the door because God had shut it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And nobody could get in other than the eight souls that God saved from the flood. My God, somebody. I want you to know that the rainbow is God's everlasting sign. The scripture just told us that. It's his perpetual sign. That means everlasting. It's God's everlasting sign to every future generation that will inhabit this beautiful planet we call Earth. But God is so loving that it's not just to humanity. His promise includes the animal kingdom. How about that? Isn't that powerful? That God loves us so much that he says, I will spare you from the devastation of flood for the remainder of time on earth. I thank God that he's a promise-keeping God. I thank him that he will never go back on any promise he has made. It moves to something even more dangerous than that. What is that, preacher? The final reset. Escaping the final breaking free, the final reset. Do you know that if you begin to talk about the account of the flood in the world today that many people become offended by it? You know what they say about God? Well, the proof that God would destroy all of humanity by water proves that God is unfair. They say it proves that God is really mean. Because not only did he kill people, but he killed innocent animals. Do you know that a sea turtle got more rights than you do? Hello? Can I tell you that legislation in this country has approved full-term abortions, but you harm a bald eagle and see what happens? You mess with the nest of a sea turtle and see what happens. You say, preacher, why are you going? Something's wrong with our way of thinking. Oh, glory to God. The Bible said in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit murder. I want to tell you that the abortion of full-term babies is nothing more than murder. It's the Word of God. I'm not here to argue the point. God said it and meant what he said. Amen. But legislature, divided in the warped minds of powerful individuals, have said that it's okay to kill a full term baby. You know what else? The spiritual world has turned upside down. Because now, in certain spiritual circles, They are ordaining openly gay and lesbian clergy people. Amen. This is the truth, friend. Right now, the Methodist Church is staring a split in the face over issues of this degree. You know what some of them say? God's a bully. Some of them say he had no heart. It was an an act of injustice what God did. I'd be scared to death to say anything along those lines about God. You want to know why? Because I got some sad news for you. The world was continually evil in every thought and every deed. The Bible said in Genesis 6 and 5, the inhabitants of the earth were exceedingly wicked. You know what that means? Brother Michael, they didn't think about it. They just decided they were going to be evil. They They just predetermined that they're not going to make any effort, Brother Tyler, to do anything that would be honorable in the sight of God. They said we're going to be evil, and ain't nothing nobody can do about it. But guess who was seated high and looking low? That was God. And God said, you don't know it, but I got a reset button. And I'm going to extract this evil out of the land, and I'm going to start over. Amen. I'm going to start over. And that's exactly what God did with Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. He repopulated the earth. I'm trying to hurry. Musicians are coming. I'm trying to finish. we got some folk today, amen, that are going to join this faithful establishment, and I appreciate that so much in all my heart. God was mean to drown everybody. He was a bully that he even drowned all the innocent animals of the world. But, folk, let me tell you something. We'd never seen evil like Noah saw because everybody was wicked except for eight souls. Everybody. They were wicked, morally wrong, corrupt. They were wrong. But Paul tells us something in Romans 6, 23. What does Paul tell us? Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you what sin is. Sin is a death penalty. Is that right? I believe in the judicial system today, we would say that, that that, that, that Brother Khan, that, that persons commit these heinous crimes, and, and the, only, the only just punishment for it would be the death penalty. You know, like murder, things of this nature. They would say the only way to repair that wrong, Brother Randy, would be to demand the life of one who took a life. So what am I saying to the body of Christ today? I'm saying to us, if we sin, we are writing our own death sentence. We know death in the Bible means separation from God. We know that. So in essence, the flood was simply punishment for sin. It was punishment for sin. But let me sound the alarm to all of us in this room today. There is another judgment that is coming. Oh, praise the Lord. There is another judgment that is coming. Praise God. What judgment is that? When the world will be judged by fire. Peter said, amen, even the elements will melt with fervent heat. When the judgment of God is unleashed on the green planet. Glory to God. We don't have to worry about the flood. We see the rainbow. We know that it's God's promise. I won't ever destroy the animal kingdom or humanity by way of a flood. But let's look at 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 20. 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 20. Somebody say, thank God for salvation. Come on, that was weak, y'all. Somebody say, thank God for salvation. You know, salvation derives from the word that means salvage. To salvage, how many know what salvage is? Junk. Somebody say it, Sanford and Son. Junk. Salvage. How many of you know that God rescued you from a trash heap? Come on, somebody. How many of you know God drug you out in a landfill? Come on, saints of God. Hello. Oh, I know you're smelling pretty today, and you and you're looking good. But you ain't always had it like you got it right now. Oh, God, have mercy. I wish I had some help in here. Somebody can remember just how low down they had got till the long arm of God reached way down and rest. Somebody ought to help me. Woo! somebody ought to help me in this place today. You say, preacher, I ain't never been, oh, my. Let me tell you something. That's contrary to the Scriptures. The Bible said we'd all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us born righteous. All of us rotten to the core. God in his great mercy. Well, well, well. uh, Reached way down and rescued me. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all say, preacher, just how bad were you? Listen, it's not about how bad I was. I was lost. It's not about what I'd indulged in at the ripe age of 13, Brother Barnes. The reality is, I was lost. I was lost without God. It doesn't matter what lifestyle I participated in. I was lost without Jesus. On my way to a devil's hell without God. But God, with his great long arm of mercy, reached further down than I could reach up. Can I get a witness in this place today? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Don't you reflect back on it once in a while? And and one of the first thoughts that come to your mind is how did I get here? Uh Oh, glory to God. One of the first thoughts is "said Lord, how did I? How did I, Lord, not sense your great love? How did I, Father, not heed all the signs that pointed me in the direction of you? How in the world, God, did I let myself get so detached from your blessing? And it's almost in an instant that the Holy Ghost quickened you and helped you know that God's not living there, that he's not dwelling in what you were. Oh, come on, y'all. That God ain't dwelling how many times you did this. That God's not stuck on how many times you did that. But God's in the here and the now. Amen. And Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. Touch your neighbor, say, I ain't nothing without God. I ain't nothing without the Lord. I can't breathe. I can't walk. I can't talk. I can't function. I can't do anything without the Lord. I can't do it. Amen. I don't want to go anywhere without God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help me, Jesus, for a minute here, God. Thank God for salvation. Thank God. Amen. When I was on my way out, that he grafted me in. Woo. Some people won't never let me live up to it, but God said, come on. God said, come on, Isaiah 1 and 18. Let us reason together. Even though your sins are many, amen, and you're you're covered, amen, in sin, I'm going to wash you. I'm going to make you clean, amen. I'm going to wash you. Oh, God, have mercy. And let me tell you something, when you're accepted in the beloved, can't nobody reject you. accepted and the beloved you can't be rejected. I don't care what people say about you. God said you're my child and I love you. Look what Peter said. Peter said Christ also suffered once for sins and just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. Look what it says in verse 19. Glory to God. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. This is Jesus, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. What's that saying? God pressed the reset button. He said, Brother Delton, I'm going to give man a do over in golf we call it a mulligan <laughs> What does that mean that means when we hit one eric out the fairway we say boy i need a do over i need a mulligan how many are glad that god's the originator of the do-over come on somebody how many today are grateful that god said i got a reset button and even though man failed amen even though man didn't reach his potential i still got a plan for man and to God it's not going to be lost in sin forever but I'm going to send Jesus Christ my son to die for their sins that's right that's right escaping the final reset who can deliver us from the penalty of sin who can remove our sin from us the songwriter said nothing but the blood. Wow, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Don't that excite you? His blood cures all diseases. I wish I had about three people. That would help me. Oh, glory. Peter uses four phrases in that text to review the gospel message. What are they? Peter said Jesus suffered. Peter said Jesus was put to death. He said, Jesus was crucified. Stick with me, saints. He said, Jesus was made alive by the Spirit. Amen, that's in the resurrection. Jesus was made alive by the Spirit. Lastly, that he might bring us to God. Can I tell you, the Lord will never be unfaithful to his promise. I said, can I tell you, God will never be unfaithful to his promise. It's only the blood of Jesus that can remove the penalty of sin from us and make us clean in His sight. He said, Preacher, I don't know how to receive salvation. Stand with me all over this building. I don't want anybody to leave. We're going to induct some new members. Praise the Lord here today. How do I receive the glorious gift of salvation? Well, salvation is defined as deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. It derived from the Greek word metanoi, which means, amen, a change of mind. Repentance, that's what repentance means, a change of mind. But in reality, it involves a turning away from sin. God, I want to tell us today that without repentance, there's no opportunity for salvation. Are you listening? I said, without repentance, there is not even an opportunity. For salvation because if we're not willing to repent of our sins openly confess our wrongs to God then salvation is not even available to us amen this is Bible this is Bible and we can't be saved when we want to we're only drawn into relationship with God by the presence of the Holy Ghost and then salvation is afforded us you see a person who has been truly repentant. This is how you can tell. A person who's been truly repentant will show evidence of a changed life. It's a change of mind. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads us to a change of heart, that leads us to a change in action. What does that change involve? It involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God. That's what repentance is. Some of you got remorse and repentance confused. You can be sorry all you want to. Come on. But until you're repentant, you will never be saved. Never be saved. I said yesterday in Brother Graham's funeral, we're not saved yet. We're being saved. It's a process. We're being saved. We've had an encounter with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. We've had a salvation experience, but we are not saved yet because we have not reached the end. But when we reach the end, we're going to be saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our worst enemy, this old flesh soul flesh is our worst enemy but Paul said we can crucify it we can put it to death so in closing I want to inform the body of believers assembled at Harvest Church today there is a greater judgment that is swiftly coming consequences await those who have willfully chosen to be unrepentant you say what does that mean Paul said Romans 2 and 5 You are storing up. This is what he said. He said, you are storing up, Paul said. Oh, my. Reserving ourselves to the day of judgment. He said, in accordance with the hardness in your impenitent or unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves or storing up for yourselves. Wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God a greater judgment coming God's going to render to each one according to his deeds this is Bible saints eternal life to those who by patient continuous in doing good seek to glory honor and immorality immortality but to those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek it's going to encompass everyone if we're unrepentant and continue to be practices of sin we're treasuring up for ourselves the wrath of God wow think about that today saints of God. the reward of the righteous will be glorious but the conclusion of the unrepentant is going to be devastating where will you stand when you meet the Lord thank God the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us and made us clean hallelujah the Bible said as far as the east is from the west so far hath the Lord removed our transgressions from us I wonder how many excited folk have I in the house of God today Simply because, amen, God doesn't lay our sins to our charge anymore. He has washed us and made us.